Hey, welcome back to the Kobe Summit audio experience. In this episode, we're replaying the audio from my recent presentation in the Buy, Grow, Sell Summit, where we were talking about how do you continue to grow business value? Now, this is a conversation we were having at the summit post-acquisition, but it applies at all times. So if you're somebody who's thinking about starting a business, somebody who's thinking about running a business, in this episode, we're talking about what you can focus on to continue to drive business value and grow the value, the actual valuation of your organization. I hope you enjoy it. If you've got any comments, any questions, you can always reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. Please enjoy the episode. Talking business with Kobe Simmett. As you know, I'm, I'm super, super, super passionate about helping organizations to be great places to work, great places to buy from and great places to invest in. And specifically this summit, you know, it's, it's right in my wheelhouse of helping, you know, to continue to grow business value and whether that's profitability or whether it's, you know, like a private share price valuation. And I think a lot of us forget that, you know, all of our organizations, whether whether we're a sole trader or up to proprietary limited or partnerships in the middle, we can actually give them a value and they, and they have got a share price. And, and I think the most challenging thing that happened to me, if I go back 10 years ago, was, was when I was first tapped on the shoulder, you know, and, and someone was saying, hey, you know, I want to buy your business that, you know, looking to, uh, to, to get into it. So I've got a, a, a couple of slides here that I'm going to be going through um, and, and I'll be talking through and I've got some great presentations, but I've really got this, this core one idea that I want to be talking to everybody about, which is that we want to be thinking about how we continue to grow business value. So I just want to be talking to you guys about that kind of that one idea and I want to be thinking I want you to be thinking about what that value is for you. Is it profitability? Is it is it a future exit? Um, and, and this presentation is really just about that. So it's that passion that I've got to inspire improvement. So I'm going to go through a couple of little models. Um, I'm going to be covering that content, but I really want you to be thinking about that. And that at the end, I've got a checklist for you and a little benchmarking tool. So you've got something to work on. So it's really the the grow business value action plan. And I'm just gonna see if this uh, this continues to work. Okay, so my click is working, that's excellent. Now, we've touched on some statistics and I wanted to do a deep dive and aggregate some data and really look at the, look at that. Now, if we're thinking about buying a business or we have a business, what, what we're not saying today is we're not saying about buying a job. We're talking about a business. And for me, a business is an organization, it's a group of people. Now, it might be an online platform, but it still needs an input of people. And so I went and did a deep dive in the Australian Bureau of Statistics, and I went and did a deep dive in the Small Business Administration in the US. So the numbers in the US support what's happening here in Australia, but it magnifies it out to maybe a factor of 20, and the numbers are consistent. And so I went and had a look at what's happening with organizations in terms of the movement of statistics, and I tried to get some data around what's happening with value rates. Now we've talked, we've touched on acquisitions, Joanna touched on the fact that they can be high risk. We've touched on some of the issues that can arise, and I'm gonna gonna touch on those again. But I wanted to look at organizations with employees, what were the failure rates, so we can, you know, we can get a gauge on you know, successive acquisitions and you know, the, the, the myths and the, there's a bunch of data and depending on how you cut it, the data I came up with, which was the movement of legal entities that had a payroll 
And in the first year, and so you might do an acquisition and straight after that acquisition in that first year, there's the potential for a 20% failure rate. In the second year, another 10%. And in the third year, another 5%. So we're looking there at around that 65% success rate over, you know, after the three-year point. Now, now, the odds are stacked in our favor, obviously, but it, it's not that we can just buy a business and sit back. We do need to put some systems and processes in place and tomorrow is gonna to be a great day. We've got lots of great speakers and I can touch on that, but we wanna be focusing on some business value. So as we start thinking about those numbers, we can start moving forward and say, okay, well, how do we break that apart? How, and this is this one idea that I want to be kind of articulating today is that we, we can zoom out for a second and look at any organization, any business, and the business being that it's, it is, it is something that's creating, you know, it's, it's got ingredients and inputs, whether it's professional services, whether it's taking knowledge and experience, and it's, and it's adding those things together so that you've got, you know, the, the outcome is more than the sum of the parts. And I want you to be thinking about people, data, and process, almost like three legs of a stool, if you like, and it won't stand up. The organization won't continue to stand up without those parts. And, and Simon Bedard, who you met earlier this morning, um, has a classic quote, which is like, you know, really, realistically speaking, when we're talking about acquisitions and when we're talking about growing businesses, you know, what are we really talking about? We're talking about future profit. And the panel discussion earlier this morning touched on that. You know, it, it is to a certain extent black and white because we can talk about, you know, market segmentation and other future products and services or client lists, but the reality is there is a black and white aspect to this, which is future profit. Now, whether it's a strategic play over a five-year period, whether it's protecting your business and, you know, guarding, you know, or, or, or fending off your competitors, we are thinking about future profit and it's the aggregation of these three categories. So let me quickly talk about people. You know, it's, you know, if you are buying a business, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that I see time and time again is people get in straight away and quote unquote, rip out cost. Now we forget that actually the business we're buying is built on people, data and process that's been previous to our ownership. And, and depending on how the deal might get structured, if the deal's structured in such a way that there is a, an equity partner that's earning out of the deal, so there's a little bit of vendor finance, that those people are gonna be core to that. And I'm gonna to touch on some of the, the issues on, on, on the next slide. What we wanna be looking at is the data. We wanna understand what the core, you know, the data there that's really super important to you. And, I, and I'm gonna to touch on that again in another slide, but think about what is the meaningful numbers? What are the metrics? What are the success metrics and numbers that you wanna be thinking about and measuring success over time? So particularly right now, what's the valuation of your business or the business that you're part of right now? Do you know that number? And then we're looking to grow that. So whether it is an acquisition or whether we're doing strategic improvements, whether we're doing research and development, new products, new services, stripping out costs on an ongoing basis, all those things we do to organically grow our business because post acquisition, we're back into organic mode. We did the acquisition. We've had maybe the arbitrage that I touched on earlier and we've had that value jump now we're back into organic mode and we go back, we've done the acquisition, we're back in, you know, there's the merger and bringing the teams together or the businesses together, um, or are we just an investor and we're keeping these things separate? But I just want to reiterate this one idea is that we're not buying a job. 
We're buying a business and that business needs to be operated by people and the kind of final leg to the stool is they need processes to follow and there's some great speakers coming up in the summer around system and process and 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 you know culture and people and these these bespoke parts so i want you to be thinking about this idea of the three legs of the stool people data process so as we move along some of the assumptions and issues that arise and joanna touched on this which was excellent is that we can move too quickly and we can not move quick enough so we can think about the individual transaction that might be occurring. But the assumptions that arise and the issues that arise, particularly around, let's start with people, is that when we're buying an organization, we're buying a business, there's an assumption that it may have people or it might have one owner, it might be a very small business, it's a micro business, just with one person operating that business and then there's a transaction. But we've got, if for the most part, organizations that have got people because they're starting to build up profits and they're attractive because they're a going concern and without the owner operator of that organization. And in fact, if there's no owner operator, if there's an operator and they're not an owner, the business is going to have potentially another multiple that retention and cultural issues. And the next presentation is going to touch in a deep way on the culture issues. But I've seen it time and time again, how do we bring those teams together and have them operating in the new way of thinking against the new success metrics? And often, right, even before a transaction might occur, particularly if we're talking about exits, and that's something they're gonna be talking about on, on, uh, on the last day of the summit, is we need to be thinking about you know, the communication strategy. And so the one action point that I'd like you to be considering as you're madly scribing notes right now is that what's your communication strategy going to be? Now, it's almost like what is your communication strategy full stop? Because even post acquisition, you wanna be having that on an ongoing basis. What's the cadence of communication? What's the rate, what's the pace? You know, those of us that have got smartwatches now, and when we go for a walk or a run, we've often got, you know, we've got cadence and we've got pace. What's the rate? And what's your current communication strategy? So how often do you communicate? What do you communicate? How do you give feedback? And there's a key word that I want to get across here, which is digestion and absorption. The team members and the people in our organizations, they take time to absorb and digest information. And there is definitely ways that we can speed that up. Like you might communicate to somebody and then turn around and say, okay, play back to me what you just heard. I just want to confirm we're on the same page. And that snap test for the subconscious of that person that you're communicating with is going to be, oh, actually, I've got to listen up because I need to get this right. And it might take seven times to get the message across. But if you can ask people to play back the message and play back what they're learning are, you're going to get better absorption and you're going to get better two-way communication. So I want you to be thinking about employees, retention and cultural issues, and often the acquisition of the organization does rely on a certain amount of knowledge or relationships that those team members do have and they need to be merged as part of the culture. So we need to be really careful with our terminology in terms of ripping cost out because we do jump to it and I've had to manage lots of transactions and lots of organizations and, and consult and coach teams where there is a lot of conflict post acquisition. Let's just not make the assumption that we're gonna jump in and it's gonna be uh, you know, a, a, an easy way forward. So we do need a communication plan. Uh, we need to just execute on that and implement on an ongoing basis and get into a good cadence. The next one's obviously customers. And we hear time and time again, you might get employees leave post acquisition and take a bunch of customers. So we wanna have customer retention 
if that's what the deal is all about, if we're buying customers or we're buying a going concern and we want that future profit, we want that P&L and we want that strength of that balance sheet of that organisation to contribute and make the, you know, the sum of the parts, you know, 1 plus 1 equals 2.2 or 2.6, you know, if, if that's the deal. Now, whether that's in the short term or over the five-year period, but customers are a core part of that. The going concern, the revenue is coming from customers. And, you know, to take the banking session that we just looked at, let's not forget that we the bank is the initial financier, but ultimately every business is crowdfunded by its customers. And we forget that, this concept of crowdfunding. And one of the fastest ways to grow a business is have customers crowdfund it as a cash positive business in advance. So in terms of accessing funding, let's not forget that we access fund, ultimately access funding and ultimately access profit from customers. And so a customer communication strategy is super important at this point in time. Let's now quickly talk about suppliers and supply chain. And, and we've had um, some great presentations already today and touched on by Kate in that very first session this morning around what is happening with our supply chain. And there will be concerns and there will be issues that come up when there is an acquisition and we're buying a going concern and your existing business, what's going to happen? And so with organizations that have big supply chains, particularly uh, you know, the emerging trend of dropship businesses and the merging and growing of dropship businesses, what is happening with their supply chain? And you know, those suppliers have built businesses around either your business or the business that you're acquiring. Um, and they need to be confident that they're going to be able to continue to operate. Now, what we do need to acknowledge is if you're going to cut some of those people loose, that they're going to be hustling to try to continue to make their businesses successful. And particularly in the tight supply chains at the moment, that might mean moving their alliance and their allegiance to your competitors. And so a communication strategy and a risk management strategy and preemptive thinking around what might go wrong is something to really be thinking about as we move further down uh, on, on, on these issues. And, and finally, the one that we can quite often forget is the cash flow requirements. Now, straight up after the previous session, the cash flow demand or the demands on your cash flow of the interest rates and the principal repayments if you took out finance to fund an acquisition. If your balance sheet wasn't strong enough to support a full acquisition with no external parties involved. If you went to the amazing people at Judo and said, hey, I'm interested in some funding to fund this deal and, and Joanna helped you negotiate that deal, that we need to think about what's going to be the implications on cash flow and what that's going to look like with your existing business. And Simon talked about, let's not get distracted while we're doing this deal from our existing business because the health of your existing organization may be a significant part to how you are going to be moving this still forward. So think about the cash flow implications. But there, for me, the four most common things that come up time and time again, uh, best practice works with organisations on you know, people, data and process improvement and helping organisations to grow to be better places to work at. And so people can enjoy that. So you can see that communication strategy with the team, customer suppliers, is an important part of what we're doing to help grow that value. So we're trying to forecast and risk manage those things and actually get, we get in the trenches with you and help you with each of these component parts as they come up. And I'm gonna show you how we do that. And it's, it's really a simple process and it does come back to cadence. It comes back to, to doing the reps. 
And it comes back to you know, booking things in advance and, and setting time aside to work on the business and not in the business. And really that's what I'm most passionate about is helping you to efficiently work on your business and not in your business. And that's what our team of 70 here at Best Practice Australia-wide and, and international can help you with. So moving on, let's just quickly talk about some key parts. Now there's, there's lots to work on as always, but I just want to give you, you know, as we transition around like growing value, I want you to just think about this one idea of how, I'm going to, how am I going to continue now to grow that value? So I've got this valuable asset, I've invested in it, I'm putting sweat equity into it, I'm putting effort into it and I've got this big vision, if you like. I've got my Google map out and I know where I am and I know where I want to go. Here's how we start to fill the parts. Now the first thing we need to think about is our success metrics and I'm going to keep quoting that. We call them key performance indicators or more specifically targets. What's your target profit? You know, the black and white of what's profit now that you've got this new hybrid uh, organization, you've done your acquisition or you've got your existing organization, it applies on an ongoing basis whether you've done an acquisition or not, is the target. What's the target profit? You know, and, and target profits driven by revenue or target costs. What's our target costs? What's our target revenue? What's the, you know, the jaws, just to quote some previous analogies. We need to map that out and then start thinking about the lead indicators, if you like, that drive that. So we know that numbers of leads can equal numbers of sales or revenue that can equal amount of profit after we've done our professional service or sold our product. So it's very important to be running that and establishing those, working, taking some time out to work on your business and set those targets for yourself. And then we can start building out the aspects of it. So I'm gonna give you, if you are madly taking notes, I'm gonna give you four questions you can ask yourself and to get this going. So the first question is, in thinking about the next 12 weeks, what does success look like? What is the target? In thinking about the next 12 weeks, what's the profit target? What's the revenue target? What's the leads target? You know, how do we get out? How do we get new customer acquisition? How do we look at existing customers and what we can sell to them? But in thinking about the next 12 weeks, what does success look like? The second question is in thinking about the next 12 weeks, what could go wrong? And some of the slides you've seen today already have touched on some of the things that can go wrong. Can any of those things go wrong? So in thinking about the next 12 weeks, what could go wrong? In thinking about the last 12 weeks, what went wrong? What, what kept you busy? What kept you up at night? What stopped you from achieving those targets you've got for yourself? What stopped you from achieving the revenue target, the profit target, the leads target, the marketing target? What got you distracted? What was the busy work? I think there's, where a lot of us are wearing, and I'm guilty of this, wearing this badge of honor of I'm busy and I'm hustling, but the reality is if you're not focused on profit, you're not hustling. If you're not focused on profit, you're not busy. There's too many other things on our to-do list to go and do, and we've really got to be setting that target for ourselves. So setting targets, documenting those targets in, in whatever way your business likes to document things. They can be just scribbles on a whiteboard and a photo with a smartphone and posted on an internal Facebook group or in a Slack channel. Um, let's not get tied up in documenting system and policy and process. Now the next thing is really important is that, that people, you, we are building a team and the organisational chart, it's, it's crazy how many organisations I see who kind of do the org chart first and the target second. Targets have got to come first. What you want as a business owner, as the owner and investor, and the person with all of the skin in the game need to decide what you want. Then you can talk about, okay, well, who's gonna be the best person for that? 
the person who gets it, they get that number. Actually, I want to take charge and I want to run the leads and the marketing side of the business. I want to take charge of the revenue and sales part of the business. I want to be the technician. I want you guys to be thinking about moving away from being a technician and into being a CEO. And, and I've got another presentation coming that I'll talk more about that. But with the org chart, it's about working on the bespoke parts of the business. Now, if you are one or two or three people in your organization, then I like to divide the days of the week. There's seven days in the week. There's seven, you know, five, six or seven parts of the business. There's marketing, sales, operations, you know, customer service, finance, and maybe human resources. Or we like to call it high performance here at Best Practice. There's six days of the week. Take out one hour of each day of the week and work on a part of the business over those six days of the week. And that's how you start to build your org chart and you have seats, if you like, around the table. A seat for marketing, a seat for sales or revenue, a seat for finance and, and managing that, a seat for training and coaching people, a seat for technicians and the people that deliver the professional service or organize the products to be sold. And then we get back to those questions, which is that quarterly planning. And the secret to success that I see across the 900 companies that we work with and consult to and coach is that the ones that do offsite quarterly planning for one day a quarter minimum are the ones that are succeeding because they get into a cadence, their team feel motivated and inspired and focused and on the same page, and then they go away and they deliver and all they're doing is going away. My marketing manager is focused on going away and focusing on leads and her target. And the sales, the head of business development in our team is focused on going away and thinking about her business development targets. And then our finance manager is focused on her targets. Yes, there's lots of um, ladies in uh, and women in my senior leadership team in my business. Um, and then our systems person goes away and focuses on that. We ask those four, question, those four questions, which is in thinking about the next 12 weeks, what does success look like? Where, are we, where do we want to go in the next 12 weeks? And some things might be a macro plan over five years, but we break them down into those quarterly plans or if you like 90 day sprints. And, and taking at a bare minimum, one day a quarter to go away out of the chaos, phones off, switched off, off the grid to work on your business for a lot of people when we're working with them and, and facilitating those sessions. Uh, it's the very first time in the history in a lot of instances that they can go away and work on that. Now we go off site and we say, right, what businesses are we going to target? I saw people there saying, well, who can we, you know, what businesses can we kind of go and target? And, and, and I think that's a team approach. It's not just one person looking for acquisitions, targets. We have a team working on that right now. Okay, moving on. So I wanted to give you a benchmarking tool to be thinking about, okay, if I want to get really right down into the weeds, let's get out of the, the you know, the 50,000 feet right now and come right down into the weeds, you know, out of the clouds and into the dirt to kind of talk about if I was to have a checklist or a benchmarking tool, what would I have to go through and look at how I can continue to drive value? Now, you might see something here when you're looking for businesses to target or businesses to acquire or in your own business that gives you super strength or is something that will be very attractive. And if there were 12 levers, and this is what I look at on a day-to-day -day basis, both with our organizations that we run in our family office, but also other organizations that are run and that we coach and, and, and mentor and consult to, is we're looking at success metrics across these 12 categories. So the first category is pretty straightforward, which is net profit performance. But it's not just the bulk amount of net profit at the end of the year that we've got to take a chunk of and give to the tax office. 
it's it's about the percentage, for example, and what the margin looks like, and and you know what you know how is that churning inside the top line revenue and and product segmentation and. To, to determine and improve net profit performance, we might be looking at a research and development program. And in fact, in the McKinsey book, Beyond the Hockey Stick, which I can highly recommend, they talk about the organisations that have succeeded and become, you know, the, the, the super organisations of history have had big moves and they make big moves in research and development and investing in research development because down the track that drives significant net profit performance. So when you're starting to build your strategy, and, and if you do an acquisition, then you're becoming a bigger organization very quickly. It is important to have that strategic plan and thinking about what the mechanics of the business strategy is and what we're doing to manage and maintain and enhance our net profit performance. Balance sheet, we touched on that earlier. That's our shock absorber. And it might be the size of the balance sheet. It might be something that's on the balance sheet that you want to access as part of an acquisition or you've got that helps you to continue to grow value these things are not only attractive to you, they're attractive to other people. And here comes the tap on the shoulder. Um, actually, we're interested in buying your business. So if you're thinking about this, you know, this growth phase, what's the growth phase for? Is it for a future exit yourself? Or is it for that longevity or you know, that, that wealth investment over a long period of time? You know, the infinite game of business. Another great book, The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, talks about Actually, we might not be thinking about an exit. We're just thinking about the infinite game, game of, of building an organization that gives us the life that we want into the future. And I think that's something we haven't touched on it just yet, and I'll touch on that in, in another one of my presentations. But what's the life that you want to build as part of this? Repeat annuity income or, or, or recurring revenue. Um, super exciting, um, super value, valuable, attracts significantly higher multiples. If you're somebody who's just for the first time hearing multiples of, you know, in terms of valuation today, I can tell you from experience that repeat annuity income or recurring revenue, uh, significant valuation multiples uh, for your organization going into the future. So it's something to think about. Have you got recurring revenue? Uh, it's not just goodwill. It's not just existing customers coming back, but it's, you know, signed up, locked in subscription or membership services uh, is something to consider because this is what people are looking to access. Intellect, significant intellectual property. I'm looking for an acquisition or I've just had an acquisition or my business has this significant intellectual property. Maybe that intellectual property is protected and maybe it's only available via you and it's these one-offs that have these significant impacts and you talk you know we hear about unicorns in the marketplace like canva or facebook uh, or you know or some of those um or zero for example specific intellectual property that is being scaled uh to, to monster proportions but if you've got some significant intellectual property um or, or you're buying some significant intellectual property continue to build on that and that is going to give you um, you know, some higher multiples in the future and, and a better valuation. Obviously, market demand. And um, the, the, the COO here at Best Practice you know, says this in all of our, almost all of our board meetings, which is you know, in any market, in any economy, there's 30% going not so well or going backwards. There's 30% just surviving and there's 30% doing really well. And if you're in an industry or can move to an industry, and we heard that from the chief economist from Judo Bank this morning about you know, old businesses moving away and making room for big, you know, new expanding businesses, that's market demand. So can you be looking at market demand in your speculation of, I see market demand increasing and actually I can get data on that, um, and, and particularly the IT and tech space and smart 
communities and what's happening here in Australia with the investment in education, those are the areas where there's gonna be market demand. And if you can serve your product or service or professional services into areas of market demand, and that market demand is growing, then your business is gonna be worth more. So you wanna keep innovating and evolving and having that as part of your strategy to keep moving into areas of market demand. And if you're seeing market decline, then you're going to have cost competitiveness and, and, and commoditization uh, and your customers are gonna be commoditizing you in the marketplace. So if, if you are feeling like you're under significant price pressure from your customers, then you're in potentially, ask the question, am I in an area where market is, demand is declining because there is an alternative or an innovation in the market and you wanna be moving and doing your acquisitions and, and focusing your strategy on on areas where there is significant market demand, that's again gonna add another uh, you know, value increased lever to your organization. Uh, customer concentration and high risk strategy, um, your business has 80% of its revenue coming from one customer. Uh, so you wanna be looking at you know, significant value levers here are recurring revenue across a big customer base. And that's why we see organizations that have huge subscriber databases you know, reported in the Australian Financial Review as being a unicorn because they've got you know, one price across hundreds of thousands of customers diversified across a, you know, 120 countries um, customer concentration. So you wanna be really focusing on have you got customer concentration in geography? And if you can have diversification of customers, another value lever because it de-risks the business. You're not gonna lose a big chunk of your revenue or you're not buying a big chunk of revenue from one particular place. Every business is obviously gonna look at these things a little bit differently. I wanna be thought provoking and give you this benchmarking checklist, if you like, to, to be really considering on your strategy, these 12 elements. And when you meet in that quarterly meeting, going through these elements and saying, okay, well, what are we doing about these things? What are we doing about customer concentration? Your competitive advantage. So are we a me too, or have we got a grand slam offer? And the grand slam offer or the competitive advantage is that your, and, and, and here's the formula, is that your customers have a big goal or dream. They're looking, they're not looking for the features of your product or service, don't sell your features. They're looking for the benefit that they get from buying from you. And we wanna be thinking about giving a competitive advantage. Giving them their big goal super quickly with a little bit of effort means that you're gonna be able to charge just about any price you want. Now the next couple of move pretty quickly. If you've got owner dependency, you don't wanna buy a business that's got owner dependency because when that owner leaves, the business is gonna fall apart and the same applies to yours. So you wanna move away from owner operator, you wanna be investor. Um, and you want to be thinking of move, about moving away from technician. Try not to be, and you know, am I a technician? Am I really good at, you know, and I can solve all of the problems and bail everybody out of the process? Or, um, you know, can I move away from that and be the, the owner, if you like, not owner operator? The rest is pretty straightforward and it flows on from all of this, which is robust sales processes. You know, you've got good diversification of new customer acquisition and existing customer account management and how you're serving your existing customers, whether it is account management or regular communication, continuing to focus on building management maturity. And if you can build your team to be super mature and super experienced and building that management maturity, then you, that is truly building a business and building business value because it becomes a going concern that you can throw over the keys to someone and you say, look, there's no handover, there's no earnout." 
You just take this thing, we do the transaction and nobody knows who owns it and, and nobody knows who operates it. And, and that is where you get significant value in those uh, life-changing exits that happen over time. Uh, knowledge management and protection and retention and, and maintaining knowledge and then overall industry attractiveness. And you, you know, like we can see people moving to renewable energies, just as an example, away from fossil fuels, that'd be an example of the industry is, is attractive or not attractive. Now I've got a benchmarking tool available. So if you pull out your phone, your smartphone now, we all know how to scan QR codes now. You can actually hold your smartphone up to the screen right now. Those points that I just went through on that previous slide, I've covered and they're available in a download and you can grab that right now. You can open it up with a, with a smartphone right now. Uh, you can get those points. If you do want to talk more about um, getting our team on board to just have a conversation with you about how we can help you work on your business and grow your value significantly, either pre, post or after an acquisition um, and or an exit, uh, if you're part of that, we can jump on board and, and we've got all those tools and processes. So um, it's been super exciting. I've got, I'm, I'm actually over time, I think, right now. Um, so we're, um, there's Joanna. She's going to come on shortly. So um, you can jump on, you can scan that QR code. You can download that right now. And, it, and there is a little form there on that same web page uh, and a couple of blog articles which are really interesting for some future reading and additional reading on what I'm talking about here. So um, thank you very much. I appreciate everybody's attention and time today. Uh, again, I just want a huge thanks to Joanna and Simon for, for leading the charge and putting this summit together. And we've been involved um, in terms of getting it together. And, and, I, and I can't believe the numbers of people that have signed up. It's been absolutely amazing. So thank you, Joanna. Well, that was an interesting discussion. I hope you really enjoyed it. There's more information available on our website at www.bestpractice.biz forward slash grow my business. If you are somebody who's thinking about growing an organization, if you're somebody who's thinking about, hey, you know what, I want some help to continue to drive my business value. You want somebody to work beside you, to walk beside you, to partner with you, to hold you accountable like a coach, then jump on that page, drop in your details. There's a great little benchmarking tool that's available at www.bestpractice.biz forward slash grow my business. If you want to reach out to me with any questions, please do so on my LinkedIn account at Kobe Simmet. If you're not following me there, please jump on and follow me on LinkedIn. And equally, if you're an Instagram user, my handle on Instagram is at Kobe Simmet. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.